Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. Some stuff has happened since we last recorded. Not all in NWSL. Gab, what are you drinking? Um, I am drinking a big old mason jar, about half full of Jameson, and uh, the other half is cherry coke. I just took a big old drink and it burns a little bit, so that means it's good, right? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So I'll be I'll be nice and drunge in approximately half an hour when we will be maybe talking about a subject near and dear to my heart. What what are you enjoying tonight? Oh, I'm just having a Sam Oktoberfest. I had a housewarming last weekend and we picked up a Sam Adams variety pack and we didn't like all our guests canceled at the last minute so oh like, no <laughs> it was a last minute housewarming though so like a lot of people couldn't make it and some people just didn't come um i mean we had like 10 people there still but they couldn't manage to finish off this variety pack which quite frankly is weak so i guess i have to drink all this beer that i buy I that's that's an amazing problem to have it it you know, I'm kind of familiar with people buying a bunch of booze and not being able to drink at all. Hence why my fridge is still fucking stocked with Canadian alcohol. Look, that's not so, my fault. Yeah, that actually technically is my fault. Like, directly yeah, me. Absolutely. So, But that's like, not my fault. I went to the liquor store like three times because I bought enough to consume like that week. Moving you on. Weren't there, you Moving weren't on. there all summer. Moving so on. I just, I just want to put that in out there because that's the booze that you get to drink next week when you're staying at my house. Great. Thanks for keeping it for me, buddy. Moving on. <laughs> the United States played Haiti in two friendly games in the games three and four of their victory tour. What did you think of these games? Where they blew I, out I, Haiti like 6-0 and 8-0? Wasn't that it? Uh, I thought it was 5 and 8. It might have been six and eight. I, I don't know. Uh, Carly Lloyd got two hat tricks. So, woohoo, she's chasing Abby now. Um, <laughs> I watched in total uh, approximately 45 minutes of both games. Wow. Um, I know. Uh, the timing was just poor. It wasn't really good for, for viewing. But I have seen the highlights, so I have seen all the goals. Way to go, Haiti. Like, way to, way to step up to the plate. Um, they didn't entirely bunker uh they still you know intercepted and and broke us down a little bit i believe the coach had a few had said in interviews a few times that he was looking at this as a growth experience for his team and hopefully they got that out of it um it wasn't quite the beatdown that we've given other teams like uh, russia or uh costa rica did we 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 kind of beat Costa Rica up a little bit? Yeah, didn't but we? Costa Rica scored two on us in their second game. So, oh, they... never mind, not Costa Rica. Um, I'm trying to think of like another Guatemala, team that, Dominican that we Republic. Kind of... It was probably Dominican Republic. Yeah. Yeah, Dom- yeah, Dominican Republic, and uh, so it sounds like good crowds, thirty plus at each stadium. Uh, so that's that's good good for growing the game um the players got a lot of airtime on different media sources like college football saturday show thing that's on espn so i think it's a win it's it's good all around i'm i'm just still annoyed that australia pop like the politics regarding australia and cba and all that stuff um that that didn't pan out yeah shook borkowski i think he was pretty honest where he's like look we know we can't compete directly with them 
So we'll take out of this the things that we want, and the United States can, you know, do whatever they do best. But for us, this is what we're going to do. I think that was really smart of him, focusing on himself. Because, yes, realistically, they can't compete. Look at the scoreline. You were right. It was 5-0 and then 8-0. It was kind of the opposite. With Costa Rica, we beat them 8 and then 7-2, because in the second game, they started to adjust. But with Haiti, I think what we saw was in the second game, they were tired. They were done. He, uh, Borkowski didn't have a lot of depth on his bench, so he just kind of, you know, and we saw that in his subbing patterns. He didn't sub a lot either, even though he had six subs per friendly. So, yeah, Haiti was a little bit tired in the second game, and it ended up showing. What are you going to do? People, uh, you're you know? you're going to learn from it, and you're going to hopefully make CONCACAF better. I mean, we've never played Haiti outside of a CONCACAF tournament. So going in, I think we talked about this at nauseum on the last podcast, you know, there, we're definitely not in the same league in terms of, of skill and, and all that jazz, but they, they did a really good job. So to me, it's like, all right, when we're going through Olympic qualifiers, let's, let's see what they've got. Let's yeah. see if they've adjusted, if they've learned. Well, yeah, on top of being a smaller nation with not a lot of funding, it was last last minute notice. It was like they had a week to pull this stuff together. Like imagine trying to plan a vacation in a week, just for one person, and instead yeah. you have to plot like a ninety minute game against the United States in a week. That is not really something super fun that I would look forward to. I mean, it's exactly why Canada shouldn't have even like Canada wasn't even an option because John Herdman would say, "No way, Jose, am I putting my team or myself or my coaches through that?" Yeah, his coaches, him and his friend Tom Sermani. God, Tom Sermani, I really hope he becomes my friend. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about Tom Sermani maybe becoming your friend because the Thorns just released Paul Riley from his two-year they contract. They were like contract's over bye buddy and he's like that's fine i miss my wife i didn't want to coach anymore for this club anyway except with this accent and i think it's it was coming i would be mad if it didn't happen uh i'm not upset that it happened i'm not like i'm not over superiorly overjoyed superiorly supremely overjoyed um simply because now we don't have a coach we don't have a manager and they didn't really drop any hints as to who that would be part of me was like well you know timbers are are fighting for a playoff spot we're not actually going to hear anything about paul riley and the thorns for a while and then they dropped the news so now i'm like all right when the fuck is the front office going to have time to actually interview or try to find a coach for that position and they won't until like January, but um, I mean, in their in the news, I think in the Oregonian or something, they said that they're gonna try and find a coach as quickly as possible. And as we've seen with the Boston Breakers, you can do it in a week if you have the right candidate in mind. Oh, I I completely agree. You you can do it in a week, and kudos to Boston for being able to do that. But to me, the Breakers have one track. Whereas the people doing the hiring uh, for the next Thorns position, or I'm sorry, the next Thorns uh, coach, they have too many tracks that they're trying to pay attention to. And so I just, I don't have my hopes up that we're going to hear something by the end of the month, that we're going to hear something by the end of October. November is going to be the holidays. People are going to be stockered out uh, because I don't imagine the timbers making it to the playoffs. Um, and so, you know, 
I'm I'm managing my expectations, and <laughs> a new coach will be named early in the year, and they're going to have an uphill battle. I do think Tom Sermani should be on the short list. No idea if he has any interest in coaching club. Have zero zero clue what his interests are. But if I were making a short list, Tom Sermani would be near the top. Well, everything you just said, then I get two questions out of it. First question, early in the year, that leaves very little time for them to prepare for the college draft and for the expansion draft, whenever that is. The expansion draft might even be sooner than that. And then number two, realistically, if Tom Sermani were on that list and he were interested in club soccer, do you think he'd say yes to Portland? Or do you think he'd want to stick with Canada or look for another national coach job? I mean, his cycle for national coach jobs has closed. He would be looking to try to build and build a team that will do well at the next World Cup. The Olympics are are right around the corner. Like he's he's not necessarily going to pick up a baton and be like, "All right, let's do this," you know, unless he's thinking long game. If he's thinking, "Okay, I'm going to be there for three plus cycles," let's let's start with the Olympics and then keep going. But you know, Tom Sermani hasn't really made a lot of moves. He's no Laura Harvey. He's, <laughs> he's not making moves every every day. I would love to think that he said yes. I have zero basis for that. Like. No idea, but I would I would add to his contract um, unlimited froyo with unlimited candy gummy candy toppings. We all know he uh, likes like I, uh, candy. Gummies. I would I would buy him a gift card that would be like okay every month you get like one hundred and fifty dollars in froyo. Not mustache Yo. wax. I don't I don't think he needs it. Or like a mustache grooming kit maybe as a signing bonus. I would I would do a mustache grooming kit as a signing bonus. I would also do a uh, a Portland pedal brewing brew tour thing where you just pedal and go to breweries. Wow. Um, on this big like car thing that moves, it's it's awesome. But I would be like, all right, you get that for you and you know fifteen of your friends and a mustache grooming kit and unlimited froyo. Wow. Okay. I'm sweetening the pot right now. No, I'm so sure that's it's like... The, that's the other thing I want to know. So how the fuck did Boston sign Beard? Well, the Breakers had a conference call today where I did ask, how did it happen? Like, and I wanted them to go into specifics, you know, why did you think of Beard? But they played a little close to the chest and essentially it was just like the Breakers called Liverpool up about a week or so ago and they were like, hey, you know what though? I mean, Lee Billiard's an Englishman, and uh, Liverpool has some connections through Beard to American players, some of whom have some breakers ties, so it's not unthinkable to think it was like a connection of a connection of a connection. Or they were looking at, you know, if I were the breakers searching for a coach, where's the first place you look? You look at the pools of other coaches, why not look at the coaches in other leagues? So that means WSL, Demolsvenskan, French League One, uh, Bundesliga, maybe even the Australian W League, look at those pools of coaches and see which one of them has done any rebuilding whatsoever. Or, like, which one of them has, you know, looks like they're in the point of their career, they would say yes to an American contract. And then go from there. I'm sure that's part of their process. I would hope so, because it's logical. But yeah, it was about a week from phone call to 
you know, announcement of being the coach and, you know, the rest is history. That seems really fast. It is really fast. It's insanely fast. I was like, oh, okay, we'll find out who the new coach is around Thanksgiving. Uh, wrong. Wrong. It's one of those things that's, as a human, you're choosing to relocate your life. He's got a wife and kids, too. Two of them. Like, I can't, I can't imagine making that decision in less than a week. Dude, I can't even change toilet papers from Costco. <laughs> like, that's how stuck in a rut I am and, like, how much I hate new things. I'm like, no, I need toilet paper. I have to get a zip car. I have to go to Costco. I have to get that toilet paper. I don't like Because change. I don't and, and find a different toilet paper at the grocery store. I mean, some people are very particular about what goes on their butthole. I don't blame you. It's, I just, I cannot imagine making a decision like that in less than a week. So kudos, Boston has a beard. <laughs> I know, you've been dying to make that joke. You've made it like twice now. So, congratulations. I mean, you guys are the new Portland. Like, Portland was all about the beards, and you guys were like, what up? You know what? I would love to be the new Portland, because Portland has never finished last in the league. True. True. Goals! And then, whenever Portland does hire a new coach, you won't have a slew of people going, Ooh, I feel really bad for this new coach. What a shitty place to go. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, you know what? When I shit on Boston, it's because they're my team, and I love them. Boston is not your team, so shut the fuck up. Well, I mean, at some point, you just have to view that as hostile, and you have to take them down. Well, it's like... When you're with a certain group of people um, who all have the same interest, you can shit on that interest because contextually, you know, there's no like real malice behind it. You're all just bitching to each other. But when someone outside the group comes in and is like, hey, fuck, you know, X group or whatever, you're like, whoa, buddy, just calm down now. You sound a little mm, uncool. Yeah, uh, you don't know us. You can't sit here. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I totally get it, dude. Totally, totally get it. Yeah. I mean, I am a, I am a part of the most reviled group in the NWSL. Oh. We are. We've been called that. Yeah. To our I know. faces. Like since day one. <laughs> I know. I know. So I totally get what you're saying. Like yeah. I can poop on my team. I can poop on my sports group. But the second somebody else says something poopy about them, oh my god, I'm gonna poop on you. Yeah, I can insult my family. You can't insult my family. Yeah, my brother's a dick. Wait, you called my brother what? Let's fight. Exactly. And I'm Let's waving my down. fists in the air like an old-timey boxer because this is a podcast. People can't see me. Oh, I'm covering my face with one hand, and I'm sticking my other hand through my arm to fight you right now. I think one of us would be marginally better at this fight. Not that either of us would be good. I'm just saying one of us is going to be better than the other. I'm just saying I've wrestled a cop before and won for a second. I wrestled a cop, too. My cop was, like, six feet and Russian. My cop was this really cute lady. I know! My cop was a cute lady, too, but she was six feet and Russian. Do I know this cop? Yeah, you know this cop. <laughs> this cop, this cop, this cop at one point danced with a girl up against you at a bar in Dallas. Hi! Anyway. Oh, she's, she's coming to the final. Great. Great. <laughs> <laughs> no honestly that's I, probably one of my best experiences at a game it was hilarious i loved every second of it when i wasn't being horrified 
full disclosure, I don't think she listens to the podcast. That's fine by me. Yay! The fewer people who listen to this podcast, the better. All of you turn Yay. off your turn off your discmans now, or whatever you use to listen to this. I don't know what kids use these days. A fucking discman? <laughs> what are they downloading it on iTunes and burning you, it? To yeah, a you CD burn it to a CD so, so you can, can take it around and listen with you. to it on a discman. Yeah, or they like play it. Uh, from their computer and they record it on cassette tape oh my god you old school your... style did you did <laughs> you, you hold it up do to that when you were a kid yeah i'd hold like, it up to the radio there with like ready to go record so that was kind of the downside of the nusl coaching this season but there was a an upside at least if you're a rain fan which is that laura harvey won coach of the year um feelings on this gab yay I mean, the right coach won, I guess. Uh, although, I think you still have, like, Vladko. Um, he, he does a good job. Uh, and Rory Dames, he had as many players in the World Cup as the Thorns did, yet was able to, like, kill it early in the season. Unfortunately, his team couldn't quite keep up that momentum. So they kind of suck toward the end. But, I mean... I think Laura Harvey deserved it. Absolutely. I think so, too. I agree with you that Rory Dames absolutely should have been in the conversation. He did a great job with the tools that he had, which is the essence of being a coach. So, yes, Rory Dames in the convo, but right person won. I really don't know that anybody was super bitter about it. Maybe some super extra Portland fans, but I actually haven't seen any of that. I mean, I don't know as many Portland fans as you, but just the ones that I know have been like, yeah, Laura Harvey's a wizard. You can't super argue with that. We hate what she does to our team, but she's good at her job. Yeah, I mean, if you're of the opinion Laura Harvey didn't deserve this um, or that she didn't earn this, uh, I think you know less about soccer than I do. It's okay to hate a team and fucking drool over the shit they do. Like that's part that's part of hate. Like like coveting is is part hate. That's very astute of you, Gab. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Who wouldn't jump at Laura Harvey being your coach? Yeah, she's Seattle. Are we gonna boo her because she's fucking Seattle if she came down through coach at Lawrence? What I don't like about Laura Harvey is purely rivalry based or this like faux rivalry this cascadia thing god like a month ago when the the final was announced, she was interviewed and said something along the lines of yeah uh one of the highlights of my career was silencing the portland crowd yeah because your team scored in the fucking like 93rd minute of a zero zero match to beat us yeah you silenced us because we were all dumbfounded <laughs> when you come down here to play in the final guess what like we're not cheering cheering for kansas city if there's any cheering going on it's for beautiful footy like we can appreciate beautiful soccer and i think a lot of people going to the final can appreciate beautiful soccer so fucking bring it on the pitch and you will get some cheers at some point in time you guys are like someone going to an art gallery and seeing a painting by someone they don't like and being like oh that painting is so fucking good i hate that i like it so much jesus christ why is he so talented ah i mean it's the exact reaction i had today going to froyo for my coworker's birthday 
we walk in and I was like, fuck, I'm going to fill up a bucket full of candy. I'm going to try to eat it all at the same time. And I'm going to have a tummy ache. Like, I hate this place. I, it gives me a stomach ache. I hate it. Oh, that's that's Laura Harvey. She's delicious candy that gives you a tummy ache. And you always say you're you're not going to go back for more. But uh, like two weeks later, you do. Yeah, she's like, she's like, whenever the whenever France plays the USA, and we're always like, oh, France sucks so bad. But secretly, we're like hiding our eyes, but like peeking through our fingers to be like, oh my god, look at that, it's so pretty, it's so pretty. Oh my god, I want it so bad. Oh, I hate the French so bad. Them with their perfect kits, with the collars and the buttons and the rooster and all that shit. Okay, buddy, it's gonna be okay. I know. You want to talk about other NWSL awards? Maybe Defender sure, of the Year. I'm I'm so I'm so good. I'm like in my good spot. All right. What about Defender of the Year? Becky Sauerbrunn won third year in a row. No other defenders ever won it. You should probably just call it the Becky Sauerbrunn Award for Excellence. But I think some yeah, people disagree. Can't, can't we just do that? I'm okay with it. Let's rename the award the Becky like, Sauerbrunn Award for Excellence. Yeah, I think any time a player wins an award consecutively for three years, the award gets renamed. She has a hat oh my trick. god, it's oh a hat trick god. of awards. Let's let's do it in a way, like a fucking actual trophy, right? Uh-huh. So it's an actual trophy, like the Stanley Cup, and every year you add like a new ring, right? Uh-huh. But then you can stand the cup, like it's gonna change, so that way you're remembering the legacy of the most recent player. Ah, oh, sure. You you have the money for that? I think I think that's a thing. Okay, I'll definitely pass that on to the league. So now, so now, whoever wins it for four years in a row, it would become the whomever whomever <laughs> award because oh my god, that player was better than Becky Sauerbrunn because she won it four years in a row. Wow, I can't imagine if a defender like. There, there probably is some defender on the horizon who will eclipse Becky Sauerbrunn eventually. They're just, you know, some junior high or high school kid at the moment. Right, and they could put have their name on a fucking trophy. Let's not think about that right now. Let's talk about Becky Sauerbrunn. And a couple people proposed alternate defenders of the year to her based on two things. One being performance and two being presence throughout the whole season. Um, I saw some good arguments for and against, and I was initially one of those people who was like, I think probably Amy LaPelbit maybe should have gotten this. She was such a rock for FC Casey. I think while Becky Sauerbrunn was gone, LaPelbit definitely helped them get all the way through to uh, where they were when they were in a position to have Sauerbrunn back. But I heard the four arguments, too, that were essentially, it should be best defender in the league. She played a lot of games for FCKC. Just because she wasn't there for all of them doesn't mean she wasn't vital to Kansas City. And when she did play, she was objectively the best one. I mean, and it's the same yeah. situation as I mean, if Kristen Press had come back and scored more goals than Crystal Dunn, who was there the whole season, would people have had a problem saying Kristen Press was should have gotten, you know, player of the year over over Dunn, even though she wasn't there the whole season? And I think, yeah, maybe what's clouding the issue for some people is there's not as much of a measurable metric as goals as there is for defenders, which sucks for them. Well, I mean, Amy LaPelbit did score, like, two goals this season. LaPelbit, so... yeah. 
she should she should get more points because <laughs> Becky Sauerbrunn, wild attacking center center back, uh, Becky Sauerbrunn uh, did play a lot of matches for FC Casey. She never fucking scored a goal. Amy Lopelvit, two goals scored, and everybody loves a goal scorer. Like Michelle fucking Betos wins goalkeeper of the year. Yeah, she stopped a PK. She was pretty good, uh, but the Thorns still finished like fucking sixth in the league. And fifth? Sixth. 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 They finished sixth. They finished sixth in the league, but Michelle Betos gets goalkeeper of the fucking year and Riveter's player of the year because she scored a fucking goal. Yeah, like I think like Amy Lapelvet. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm off the court. Amy Lapelvet should have won Player of the Year because she was probably the defender who scored the most goals in the NWSL. Boom, done. Is the sarcasm like dripping into your Jameson, or are you no, catching the, it in a the separate? The Jameson is dripping into my sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> the Jameson is fueling my sarcasm. My sarcasm is not fueling my. I mean, Jameson. you know, I'm not arguing because Amy Lapelle scored goals. That's not a good metric for any defender to. No, I, use. I, I know, I know, you're not arguing. I think Amy Lapelle has actually had a bit of a renaissance this season, and I didn't see that coming. I thought she was just kind I... of gonna gently fade a little bit until she announced the end of her career but this season she's like no i'm just gonna make myself pretty vital to the fc casey defense how are you guys she's gonna be like i wanna i wanna earn some dollar dollar bills yo and u.s soccer isn't paying anymore bring it Mm. she's not really i i don't i don't think amy lapelvitt's actually financially motivated i think amy lapelvitt is a good person who's actually like oh i want my team to win yeah blah 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 she's definitely one of those people who's like i love my team and i want to be the best for them and everything that that happens the team should come first so i'm gonna be my best this season and then she'd like sweep her bangs aside and pose in her fucking land's end catalog wardrobe i don't know i haven't thought about this a lot i i enjoy her hair now i didn't enjoy the bieber look Uh i enjoy the combed back like Amy LaPublet look now. I like them both, but yeah, this swept I, I back. I enjoy it. The swept back from her face is really nice. She's working it. The, the only thing I enjoyed about the Bieber look was the fact she made fun of it like a Halloween three years ago. God, is that how long I've been paying attention to know what Amy LaPublet was at Halloween like three years ago? I'm not going to make fun of you because I know exactly what you're talking about. I can. I could probably sketch out the Instagram photo that she posted of it. Oh my god, dude. We need lives. I have a life. Yeah. So whether you think it should have been Sauerbrunn or Lapelbit or a different defender, I think we can agree that Becky Sauerbrunn wasn't the worst choice. She was probably still a top three choice for that award. And I think that she and Lapelbit are going to be pretty vital in FC Casey's chances at the championship. I don't think Seattle has the third of that top three, which means Seattle is fucked. Okay, well let's look at how at the they championship. Pl- let's look at how they played in semis. Uh, FCKC in Chicago. FCKC won three zero. Like Chicago kind of hung in there, and then FCKC just took control of the game. Chicago like kicked ass for the first twenty five minutes, and then fucking FCKC just took off with it. Like. There are a couple of fuck-ups on defense or on the goalkeeper side. And then, you know, A-Rod is going to capitalize on that shit. Um, 
it's the exact same thing we saw last year at the final, the NWSL final. Like, you fuck up on defense, and A-Rod's going to make you pay. And, what, Lord Holiday has something to play for. She's retiring. This is... The, you are literally going to see her last professional women's soccer match. I know. Um, I know. She has a few more, like, victory tour games and whatnot. And so you'll get to see her, like, jump across the, the line with her, her new kids or whatever. But, like, Lauren Holiday is going to fucking rile this team. She's going to rile them up more than Kim Little can. I am afraid for Seattle in a really, really, like, I am excited for FCKC sort of way. But I'm not cheering for anybody at the final. I'm just going to enjoy good soccer. Yeah, Seattle also won their semifinal 3-0 against the Spirit, but I feel like they didn't quite dismantle the Spirit the way FCKC took charge of Chicago. Yes, I think as the game went on, Seattle was definitely showing that they were the better side. Like, the Spirit had their chance to get back in it, and they couldn't. They just couldn't. And as the game went on, you were like, oh, okay, this is going to go for Seattle. But I definitely think FC Casey's victory is much more de- decisive. You know, even if Seattle's carrying kind of a grudge into the final and they feel like they have something to prove, I think based on the way these semis went, FC Casey, if they can control that midfield and kind of block off attack through Kim Little or just Fishlock, yes. Yes, I think FC Casey will take it. But, well, and you know, you know who's blocking off that attack? It's Lauren Holiday. Yeah, like it's Lauren Holiday and Becky Sabrin, and it's Rebecca Moros, and it's Amy LaPelvet. Like, Erica like Timrack, FC yeah. Casey just has this this fucking castle that they've built for themselves. And so I was I was up in Seattle watching that semifinal match. And it was fucking frustrating. Like, I couldn't imagine pulling your hair out as a Seattle fan until they scored that first goal. Because you're just like, why the fuck are we not scoring? And then they score, and it kind of opens opens the floodgates. Like, you know, we've seen that from Ashlyn Harris before. Like, once you get scored on once, it's kind of like, that's the moment you want to do it again and again and again. I don't think it was actually... Um, I don't think Ashlyn had had as much to do with it, though. She did about almost everything right that she could and the spirit still lost no i think ashlyn played she stood on her head for 70 minutes like 65 minutes or something like that and then as soon as they scored though like the reason i pin it on harris is because she manages her defense hmm. and there was a lot of breakdown like there was a lot of breakdown on the spirit side but at the same time like you're managing breakdown and the other team is ramping up. The other team is getting motivated. Like Laura Harvey is not a fucking coach. She's a fucking cheerleader. Like she is a cheerleader for that team. And she will make you feel like a million bucks when you need to feel like a million bucks. And that's why that team's so fucking successful. Mm. She's a cheerleader. It's kind of like managing the personalities on your team is almost as important as your tactics and stuff. Like, getting people to form a cohesive unit who are all on the same page can help your performance on the field? Oh, seems kind of wild to me. Weird. Weird. It's weird for you and I, for Boston and Portland, <laughs> I don't know to what have talking this about. epiphany. I don't know what you're talking right about. Right now. That, that you kind of need to manage personalities? No. As opposed to, like... 
stats. No, you can just bark and grumble at people and make them cry on the sidelines with games. It's fine. Hey, hey, why don't you just like pull people and tell them they're fat and they like don't uh, practice in the off season? And that's totally cool. The guy has zero motivational factor. And at pro level, at this level, like not only do you need to surround yourself by winning managers, like winning coaches who can like do fitness or do tactics or do studying or do whatever, but you also need to fucking surround yourself with players who can believe in themselves. Yeah. And that's what Laura Harvey has done. And that's what Blacko has done. And that's what Mark Parson has almost done. Okay, then, so what are your predictions for the championship, like, score-wise? <sighs> Dude, that's a tough one. I think uh, Seattle might come out quick. I think Seattle might go up one nothing at the half. And in the locker room, I think Vladko and Becky Sarbrun. I think Becky's going to be, like, at the whiteboard figuring the shit out. <laughs> She's going to be, think... like that um moment in the hangover where watch his face sees all the numbers flying around his head and calculates shit yeah yeah it's gonna be that moment it's gonna be a beautiful mind moment <laughs> and she's just gonna be like look guys this is all we need to do keelan winters can't handle balls to her left she'll foul us we get a direct kick and then suddenly we realize that Fletcher can't do this thing. And boom, we score. We got the equalizer. Then we come back. And then we just give it to Holiday. Holiday passes it to A-Rod. A-Rod passes it back to Holiday. Holiday takes a shot outside the box. Hoop solo. Hoo! Yeah, I'm sure Blackco is going to give us a call and be like, wow, that was amazing. You should be on my coaching staff. I know exactly. So I think I think it's gonna be three to one, FCKC, just like last year. I'm gonna say two one FCKC. I think you're right. Seattle might go up first. They're playing much closer to home, and I think the crowd. People are saying like the crowd's gonna be super hostile to Seattle. I just don't think that's true. Like you said, I think they're there to enjoy some beautiful footy. So yeah, I think Seattle might go up, uh, first, and then FCKC will come back in the second half and score two and at least one's gonna be from a rod i think there are gonna be those 20 25 people there who just want to like be bad and negative and whatnot but hey i challenge you to not judge a book by its cover and get a sense of like what is portland really about that is my reading challenge to the crowd tonight (laughs) okay and then, after the championship, I think the next big NWSL thing we're going to have to deal with is expansion. Orlando expansion. It's been The league, when I spoke to them, they were like, we can't comment on that right now. But it's Disney been broken. Disney World away. Disney World away. And it's kind of a fait accompli at this away. point. So, Orlando joins as a 10th club. They hold an expansion draft. Who are you going to protect on your rosters? Who are they going to draft? What the fuck is this going to do to the league? If I'm any team in the NWSL and I know the shit's happening, uh-huh. I'm not cutting any player anytime soon. Like, I'm just I'm just not. Like, if you have to keep a certain number of players and you have to make available a certain number of players, I'm not releasing anybody anytime soon. So if I'm a, a general manager for a team... 
you essentially kind of have to look at your core and you have to look at where who do I think I need to have to beat Flatco, to beat Laura Harvey next year. And you know, you're a team like Houston and you've kind of developed that. You're you're a team like Chicago and you kind of have that. But then you look at a sky blue, you look at a Boston, you look at a Portland. What the fuck are you going to do? Well, let me ask you this. So, assuming this goes like the Houston Dash expansion draft, Orlando will be able to pick two, I think, non-allocated players from every, up to two players from every team's roster. And you can protect, what, four on your roster? Something like that? Or I think it's... Um, yeah, I, something like that. Not pro- non-allocated. Yeah, you can protect three or four, and if they pick someone from you, you're then allowed to protect an extra player. Right. So... Let's go with three. Which three non-allocated thorns do you protect? Not McCall Zerboni. Oh, boy. She can step on people uh, in Orlando? Yeah, she can. Uh, I would protect Michelle Betos. I would protect uh, Allie Long, because I don't think she's allocated. No. Um, and, and I do think she's an asset to the team, even though I don't think she's fucking number one on the team. She's, not, um, she's no Lauren Holiday. And... And I would protect on thorns. You want to protect Monashim? No, I don't. Because I don't think any team would pick her up at this point. Yeah, it's that's rough, but I think it's fair. Basically, yeah, season she I, had. I, 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 she's no young. She's not a young chicken right now. Um, I would protect Cat Williamson. I would protect uh, Mitchell Betos. And I would protect Ali Long. If I were Thorns and I had three players I'd protect, those are the ones I would pick. I respect that. Yeah, Allie Long gets a lot of shit on dumped on her, and some of it is fair and some of it isn't, but she is pretty well, important to Thorns. Well, but you miss fucking PKs when <laughs> PKs get fucking saved. Yeah, you get shit. Yeah. I said some of it was and then, fair. I said some of it was fair. And then, and then you turn into Carlos and you fucking score a hat trick in the World Cup final. Boom. Do it up. Uh, on the breakers, if I had to protect three players, Cassie Coleman, Steph McCaffrey, and then knowing that we have a new coach who's probably going to gut the roster anyway and drop a lot of bubble players, I don't necessarily know that Orlando would want to pick a lot of these bubble players, but I'm just going to go with Maddie Evans. Okay, so to close out tonight's podcast, we're kind of going to jump topics a little bit. The Olympics are coming up. You can only carry 18 players in your roster instead of 23. You've had some announced retirements, but I think it's time, especially after these friendlies against Haiti, to start discussing who's going to get cut from that final roster. Now, Box is retiring, Holiday is retiring, Kolupni is retiring, and then maybe Rampone might, maybe Abby Wambach might, but we don't know. So with that in mind, who do you cut to get it down? Who, Which two players are you going to cut to bring it down to 18? Although, it may be more than that if Crystal Dunn makes enough of a case for herself. Who does she replace? How does Crystal Dunn not make a case for herself? Like, how the fuck does Crystal Dunn shoot herself on the foot at this point? I mean, she'd basically have to fall over on the field and, like, hug the ball with her hands in order to get cut from the roster. And she'd have to she do this multiple times. She would basically need to get, like, a concussion times 50 worse than Abby 
and be like, oh, I can't, I just can't, I can't. <laughs> well, then the question becomes, who do you think she replaces? She's probably going as a midfielder, based on how she's been played, right? I think Crystal Dom replaces Holiday. Okay. Well, then, who else you know, are you gonna... um, or, or Klopny. I mean, Klopny could have been a midfielder. Yeah. She could have had it all rolling in the deep. Oh, boy. We're just part of the drunkenness. Okay. Uh, Nayer's gonna get cut as the third goalkeeper, because they're only gonna bring two. So that's 19. And then, yeah, honestly, I hope actually both Abby and Rampone retire. They've got gold medals. I don't think getting this accolade would bring them any kind of closure. They kind of bookended, at least Rampone, you know, bookended her careers with World Cups. Abby finally has her World Cup. It's time. She didn't even play club this season, and she needed apparently like a three-month-long vacation after the World Cup, despite not hey, really playing as much. But that roster to me needs to be like a phoenix, right? That it needs to be like a phoenix rising, and it's it all to me kind of harps on this concept that I think Ange brought up a couple of years ago when, a couple of years ago when we did this podcast. That's how long we've been doing this fuck podcast, dude. Um, a couple of years ago when she was uh, when she was talking about how uh, the Olympics might not be a senior club like a senior level team. It might, it should be a, a under 23. And to me, the Olympics is the future. And so if you want the future out there and you're going to, let's say we're getting rid of Abby, we're getting rid of Rampone. Who the fuck are we going to put in the mix? Well, of course we're going to put Crystal Dunn, but maybe we're going to put Ohi in the mix. Maybe we're going to put a couple of other players uh, from from throughout the, the league. At the end of the day, like, fucking hell, that's what the league is here for. The league is here to develop the next team. And the Olympics should be a precursor of that next team. Just based on how the schedule's set up. Let's say you could pick anybody not named Crystal Dunn to be on that Olympic roster, but just one. Who do you pick? Not a player that we know is going to retire, like Keelan Winters. I would say Ojai. Kalia Ojai. Huh. I think I think she can carry some weight at the national team level. That's not an answer I expected, but I think it's a decent one. I think Yeah, I think I think Ohai could can score some goals and she can also kinda of dominate some midfield. She's not great on defense. I think I would have said maybe Leanne Robinson, but you have a point about this needing to be youth and Robinson's I think already twenty seven. She might be twenty eight by the time the Olympics came around, so she she would well, just be going for that. She wouldn't be, like, part of a new cycle. Um, well, and that's why you don't say, like, Budzkowski. Mike Budzkowski! Yeah, even though she probably deserves it. Yeah, if I right, had to pick no, from absolutely. Amongst... Like, we're not talking about players that deserve it. We're talking about players who should be part of the next cycle. Okay, if we want to go... Then picking out of the rookie pool, or players who are only have only been in the league one year or so, uh, aside from Ohio. I might say, see what Erin Gilliland looks like integrating into the team. Or even Stephanie McCaffrey. She didn't have the best season for the Breakers. But then again, nobody really had the best season for the Breakers. So I'm not going to super judge her by those results. She did what she could. At least you have a Breaker in that pool. I don't have a door. Aww. 
this has been a great little thought experiment. Let's see none of it come true because it's going to be probably the World Cup <laughs> roster with just Crystal Dunn shoved in there somewhere. Um, and and it'll be without Lauren Holiday and maybe like Wit Engen or yeah, something Whit like Engen. that. Like there will be some awkward. No, I think Wit Engen might get then. cut if Rampone decides not to retire. If Rampone does decide to retire and Jealous insists on keeping up with her little let's shove Becky Sauerbrunn up to defensive mid experiment, then Wit Engen will be coming along. Yes. A lot. A lot depends on retirements. Uh, Gab and I are not going to be retiring anytime soon. We're going to be at the NWSL final in Portland on October 1st. Gab, are we going to do anything around the NWSL final? I believe. I believe that. I believe that we will be at a bar on the night before the match. Um, Kells. Uh, Kells in Northwest. Uh, it's on like 23rd. We are potentially going to broadcast a 30 to 45 minute podcast um, of two drunk fans. Uh, so you can see stuff live and in person. But only at, at the bar. When you say broadcast, we're not going to put it out on like any kind of internet radio waves. We'll just be doing a live show at the bar. Yeah, it's not going to be like Periscope or anything. We're going to want to edit that shit. Better not be Periscope. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna fucking be at a bar. The Riveters are hosting a night before the match party. Whether you support Seattle or Kansas City or any team, and you were just like, "Wow, I need to be in Portland to support women's soccer for this week," uh, you want to be at Kells the night before the match. That's where we're all gonna be, and we're gonna be celebrating. Like it doesn't matter that we're Riveters, that we're Thorn supporters, that we're. Uh, Rain supporters, FCKC. Fuck, dude. This league is getting to year four. Yeah, it is. Year four. Year four with more teams than it started with. And all the originals still on board. We're expanding to team 10 with fucking Orlando money. Get money. What's up? What's up? What's up, motherfuckers? Where's my money? That's that's a big fucking deal. So we're going to be there. Therese and I are going to be doing a podcast. We'll be there anyway. We'll be selling merch. We'll have uh, scarves and t-shirts for sale. Um, so come by Kells uh, 23rd in Northwest Portland. And we can all just kind of connect and synergize and make sure we're all on the same page. And yeah, we're not going to synergize. We're all going to get drunk together. We're all going to get drunk together. Come to Kells. See you at the final. Goodbye.